Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Tell Me Everything with Susan DeMonte. Having overcome 18 years of almost dying five times from internal bleeding due to Crohn's disease, violent crime, family alcoholism, drug addiction, eating disorders, and tragic death, people are often inspired by my personal story of resilience and overcoming adversity. This podcast is a way to share my stories of winning over myself and encouraging others to do the same. Welcome, I hope you get encouraged and tell me everything. Hi everybody, welcome to Tell Me Everything with Susan DeMonte. Um, this is my sixth episode. Um, so excited once you hear this that uh, we're launching probably, um, if not the end of December 2021, the beginning of January 2022. And I'm so excited tonight to have one of my dear friends that I've known 48 years, 48 years, 48 years, Claire Lowenow, who has the most incredible story of overcoming adversity. Um, Those of you who are just uh, beginning to listen, um, you'll probably hear my intro, which is that I'm 29 years Crohn's disease free. And that as I've been sharing my story, uh, people have said, you should have a podcast. And Mm. so I'm really delighted to interview people that I know and love that can encourage us and tell us to share, you know, their stories of, of overcoming adversity. So welcome, Claire. Thank you. I'm so (laughs) excited for you. So tell me, um, tell me where little Claire started. Um, what, where you were born, um, how, what was your family life? Mm. Um, did you have, uh, you know, Great love. Yeah. Great. What, what was your great your life. beginnings as a human being? Well, my sister and I probably disagree. <laughs> first <laughs> off. So it's interesting because for me, my childhood was really great. I had my my mom. I loved. She was my angel, and my dad, quiet man who really just sat back and really didn't, you know, partake much. You know. Um, but yet just a likable, real likable guy. And, um, you know, I was born in the Bronx, New York. Mm-hmm. So um, we had a wonderful street life there, not like now. You know, we, we could be out in this outside because this is a long time ago. I don't want to give away my age, but um, <laughs> yeah, so it was great. You know, just um, fun, fun kids having a good time. My sister totally opposite me. You know, we're not at all the same. So she grew up, if she's listening, this is not her life. Um, And I really tried, I guess, more please my parents because my sister was always kind of the edgy one, you know, doing things that maybe uh, parents would be worried about. So I kind of played the part of, you know, being the good good girl, right? So anyway, but it was fun. It was a a good life. I had great friends. and in those days, you could walk to school and everything. But when I got into high school, you know, I loved my art. And I did, it was mostly in the art art room, 
and I used to get slips going. Claire can't make your biology class today because she's finishing a project. You know, I always made sure I was... Drawing or painting or... Oh, everything. Sculpt- paint, oh. not sculpture, mainly painting. I got the gold medal at graduation for art and went off to Pratt Institute on a scholarship. So I didn't stay there very long because I met somebody while I was in high school, uh, somebody who was graduating from NYU. I was a blind date. And mm. uh, he fell in love with me that night. <laughs> and so, you know, we dated and he was just uh, four years older than me, you know, and here I am in high school and he's coming by and picking me up, um, you know, with a car, taking me home, you know, and he, he fell in love with me almost, you know, as, as I say, right away. So how can a girl not fall in love with that? You know, you're falling in love with love. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, yeah. So we went in, you know, to the best restaurants, the French restaurants in Manhattan, you know, to the plays, you know, we were always going to plays, nice restaurants. So, you know, I, and he was graduating NYU and going into his own business. And um, so then, of course, Vietnam came mm. along, right? And so we decided to get married. That's 1964, I believe it was. And my sister got married the same year. Mm. So um, did he go to Vietnam? No, he found out that if he would enlist in the Air Force or enlist someplace, that he wouldn't be drafted. And the people who were drafted at that time went off to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So in his brain, he didn't want to go to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So he enlisted, went to officer's training school in Texas. And it was his first flight ever. He didn't want to fly. We, In fact, we went on our honeymoon by train to Florida <laughs> all the way from New York because he wouldn't fly. But um, he had to get in a plane on a thunderstorm night to go down to Texas to training. And he was like green. He was so scared. Mm. But when he came, but, but when I got a phone call from him at from the airport, you know, pay phone, he just loved it. He just loved the flying. And, oh, he just, that was the whole change of life. So anyway, so he went into the Air Force. And I stayed home. As and, a plane is going over our heads right now. I can. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that was that. You know, he went into the Air Force and off I became um a lonely person at home, but, you know, had my family. My sister lived right next door to me with her husband. And, you know, I really didn't have to work, but I took on temporary, um, like temp, Kelly, Kelly temp mm. work, you know, just to find things to do. So, so I was in Manhattan a lot. I, I love the museums in New York, you know, mm. for me, I would go there since I was 12. My mother used to let me go on my own. I would go to the Met, Met and to the Egypt, you know, exhibits or the art exhibits and I used to go to the 42nd street library and just sit there and be, take it in mm. so I love New York you know New York I just used to soak it in I mm. love New York love New York yeah my parents had a country home um and we went there every summer so that was always nice I love the country my mom and I love the country um she had her vegetable gardens and my grandfather had purchased um like I forget how many acres, maybe 15 acres or more 16. And each of his kids were offered a part, a parcel to be able to build a home. So in summertime, we always was together as a big family. Um, how big was the family? Uh, well, my, my grandmother had nine children. Not mm. all of them built because they already had their home. One had their home like five miles away. He always lived there. And I forget how many we had, pretty like six, seven homes, but different one was up on top of a hill and my mom's was over on one side of the brook and 
another one was way down on another side, you know, so, but as children, cousins, we were always together in the summer. So it was really a nice kind of a compoundy thing and very country, you know, just farmer, you know, up the road two miles, mm. you know, get on your bike and go for ice cream by two miles by bike, you know, mm. there was nothing around other than woods and beautiful beauty, you know, so I really soaked that in as a child. I love that. My mom was very active. I love my mom. She was very active, like in UNICEF and, um, you know, helping people. Um, she was a PTA president from the time I was in elementary school all the way to high school. Uh, always active, you know, so maybe that's where I get some of my, you know, love mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. helping and, you yeah. know, help people and mm -hmm. from her. And my father was just a wonderful, quiet man. And we had our dog, and that was all I remember about him. Mm -hmm. You know, every night was taking that long walk with the dog. You know, my father, his personality was just very quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, not like myself. Maybe um, my sister's more like that, more quiet mm -hmm. than I am, like my mom. And uh, so yeah. now back to your husband mm -hmm. is in the Air Force. And... Yeah, he's in the Air Force, and, and we had a. No, I wasn't too lonely because I had family, you know. Mm. Um, my sister lived, as I said, right next door. But then when he got out of training, they sent him first to Georgia. And I said, I'm not going to the swamps of Georgia. He was down <laughs> in somewhere. I forget where. So I stayed home still in New York. And then he was finally transferred to Kansas in Topeka. So my mother said, Claire, you're married. You got to go. And I went, I'm going to Kansas? <laughs> So, no, Kansas. So, no, you know, yes, you got to go. You're a married woman. He's going to be there. That's where he's stationed now, you know, like. So she packed up. She, oh. she packed me up and off I went. And you were how old by this time? Uh, let's see. I married when I was, what, 18? So 19 and a half, maybe uh, 20, 20. Wow. And I went to Topeka, Kansas, and then I fell in love there just fabulous. I couldn't, first off, I was a New Yorker with mini skirts and boots, very <laughs> high fashion fur coats, you know, and everybody there loved my accent. So I made so many friends. And then um, there was an ad in the paper for a graphic artist. And I had gone to Pratt for that. So um, I applied and they hired me on it, it was like a very expensive, like a Bloomingdale's, like an expensive department store in downtown Topeka. Mm. So I made so many friends. I mean, in the lunchroom, people would just swarm around <laughs> wanting to keep talking, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they found everything about this. That's New like my son-in-law. He's from England. And, and oh. uh, the cousins are always like, say farmer. Oh, farmer. You know, or, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love to hear the accent. Yeah, they love the accent and my clothes and my furs and my boots and my minis. <laughs> you know, they just... <laughs> <laughs> for them, it was just, um, so I made all kinds of friends and, and, uh, I was in the Jewish you know, community too, because that's where my parents, you know, uh, are Jewish. So, you know, we would go to, to the Jewish temples. We had people who from the temple that were friends and then the air force buddies of his, I was always cooking me. I'm not a cook, but I would find something to make for them on Sunday. Um, and then the work people, and I made a really good friend with an older woman who was a bookkeeper. Her name was Louise, and she just really thought of me as a daughter. And so mm -hmm. we did so many things together. 
So while he was gone to Africa, he had to go to Africa. Did I mention that? No. Oh, yeah. So then he got stationed in Africa for like eight months. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who never went on a plane and hated flying and all yeah. this, right? They He had to do reconnaissance flying over that part of Africa. So they used to strap him in and put him on a wing. And he used to have to go out on the wing with the cameras. <sighs> And here's a guy who really hated flying, right? And wow. there he is, you know, and then they, they would do the, um, they had these big, big iron, um, what do you call those dark rooms stationed down on the ground? Hmm. And they would be able to go into them and do the, the, the you know, look at what was happening, you know, get the images to see mm. if how mm -hmm. they were, ah. and then move on to the next one. And then he'd go up on these planes and hanging out. So, I mean, a lot of changes in were happening. Mm. But um, I was home having fun in Kansas where they, they had private clubs. You couldn't go, you know, it was like this speakeasy, uh, the knock, knock, knock on the door. Oh. And if you didn't have a card, you couldn't get in. So they were just private clubs. So we belonged to a few of them. So uh. I knew everybody already. So I never felt like a stranger. Mm. It was fun. I loved it. Yeah. So we decided once he got out of the Air Force, we were staying in Kansas because we made friends. We liked living there. Oh, another thing. One of his friends owned a motorcycle and he came by our house one day and he said, come on, Claire, we want to go on a ride. I said, are you kidding? I'm, I'm never going on one of those things. And he, goes, <laughs> he said, no, no, no. You have to come. You got to take a ride with me. And I was so scared. I was, no, I don't want to. And no, no, you got to come. So I got on and he went up on the highway with me and everything. And it was thrilling. Uh, <laughs> it was thrilling. So I came back and I told my my husband, you know, oh, Michael, I loved it. We got to get some. So he bought two uh, Triumphs. And oh there I am. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Amazing. I used to drive around my motorcycle. <laughs> so, so we had motorcycle friends. We had the Jewish community from the temple. We had my work friends. We had his army buddies i mean we just made lots of friends so we decided once he was out of the office we're going to stay here we're going to live here in topeka uh. so uh, he went to look for a job and uh he got hired right away by the atchison topeka and santa fe railroad oh at that time that's yeah. what it's burlington i think Isn't now there a song about that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> he comes home i got hired you know so um but the thing is they said we have to train you in los angeles where our headquarters is so they packed us up put everything on a train for free you know they moved everything we had to los angeles and we drove across country you know through colorado and all that mm. beautiful we went to Vegas, which in those days was just like three hotels, four hotels. You know, oh, we, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. We stayed there and had, didn't never knew what Vegas was, and you know, never heard of it really. So it was fun, you know. Yeah. And uh, then we came to L.A. and in L.A., I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, we're driving through San Bernardino, and all there was was desert, mm. like desert, like cactus on your lawn. Mm. You know, no green grass, no flowers. You know, in, in Pika, where we lived, you know, everything was lawns and pretty. Uh, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I can't stay here. This is like desert, you know, desert, we're yeah. desert. <laughs> so then we drove into Hollywood because you come down the 101 freeway and we got yeah. off in Hollywood. And then, you know, it was all brick buildings. And, you know, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? So as you're driving down Santa Monica Boulevard, you get into Beverly Hills. 
And then I saw some green grass and flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we landed in Beverly Hills, really. I mean, we didn't come here thinking, oh, we're going to uh, live in Beverly Hills, you know, but it was because really it was, it reminded me back home, you mm. know, and living in with lawns and prettiness. So, so that was it. And there I am in Beverly Hills with him. <laughs> and, you know, he went, you know, he had his law degree. And so he, he worked for this one company called the Atchison in Topeka, Santa Fe for 35 years. Wow. Yeah. But in the meantime, after being out kind of like away from my family and being in Beverly Hills and it just, I started to feel like I really was kind of robbed of living, like mm. I needed to get away um, and be on my own and really kind of find out what Claire wanted for life. You mm. know, like here I had been kind of met him when I was 16 and then I got mm. married and then we moved with the Air Force and then we moved, you know, and everything. But now I was kind of settled in and mm. kind of like, hmm, my father wasn't very happy because he said, what do you mean? What? You're not happy what's being happy. And I was mm. like, dad, I'm just not happy. <laughs> and my mom said, you know, honey, I know, I understand, you know, Michael took you away so young, you know, so I told Michael that I needed to uh, leave and mm. be on my own. So I left him. Uh. I didn't take, I didn't want the house. I didn't want, you know, I just said, I just want to leave and start fresh. Mm. That's what I did. Yeah. And did he, was he shocked that you wanted to leave the marriage or? Was it going bad? No, it really or? wasn't going bad. Huh. I mean, for his sake, sake. I just felt inside mm. empty. Mm. So in that conversation I had with him, he kind of understood. He said, I understand. Mm. I took you away so young mm. that I understand. You'll probably come back. I've heard of couples getting remarried. So I understand. So you go off and do what you have to do. So that was the way. We're still friends. Wow. Even to that today. You know, I was... I told you I was watching the Adele special mm. of her singing at um, uh, Griffith Observatory. Yes. yes. And, you know, she just divorced her husband and they have a nine-year-old son. Mm. And she was so open about, you know, that in fact, one of the lyrics of her song, I might be getting it wrong, but it's like, uh, I was so young, I couldn't mm. choose what I chose. I, I, I was unable to choose what I chose. Can't explain the no, lyric, no, but, but it's like you, you chose to do something, but you were too young to really choose. Choose, right, right. right. So I, yeah. I related to that. I, you know, in my own marriage, I, I was 24, um, but just so kind of blinded until I started practicing Nichiren Buddhism and chanting where I was started to awaken, awaken to myself, right? But at the time that I, you know, I was only practicing Buddhism for uh, nine months or something mm. or a year when I met Larry. Mm. And there's a picture of me going down the aisle with my dad. And it's like this. Like there's nothing, uh -uh. you know, I am out of my body. I'm not even in there. But, you know, we stayed together for 30 years. How many? And 30 years yeah, wow. and oh. you know of course he I've, i think i've spoken about this on the podcast but he was such an amazing caretaker all of my girlfriends would say he just your husband adores you and loves you and he you know mm -hmm. i got breast cancer and my husband 
left. Mm. How, you know, he's here with you all during your 18 years of suffering with Crohn's wow. disease. You're mm. so lucky. But of course, when it all broke up, when, you know, I was 10 years Crohn's disease free and I was my dreams as an actor, my everything that I was, had set aside mm. in my life was bursting out oh, of my life. Yeah. And he was like, get the hell home. You know, what are you doing? You know, get, mm. you know, you're fine. You can go do a class in New York, but get home. Right. And I was like, I'm not coming home. Mm. Wow. Right. And, you know, so it is, I think, you know, there are a lot of women that have the, this experience of, you know, well, the expectations, yeah. See the expectations, you know, maybe are driven by young girls in those days to be married, you know, marry somebody with money kind of, you know, not, oh, why don't you go to college and get a degree yourself and become somebody? It wasn't that. It was more to look for somebody. You know, not my, my, my mother never forced that on me, you know, that I have to say that, but that was the drift of the family, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't want to put my family only, I think yeah. in the times, you mm -hmm. know, that we were all, and when I look back and I look at every cousin, you know, each one who they married was all that same thing. Mm -hmm. And now I don't, I don't think there was only one marriage, the first person of a cousin who's the oldest, she stayed with her husband and he was a telephone AT&T guy who installed stuff. So of all the cousins, we all married, you know, one married, a, you know, an attorney, you know, New York, his father was a judge and they had a lot of money. You know, this one married the egg guy who discovered the, the egg, you know, the nylons, you oh, know, the, putting yeah. in the eggs, you know. So, I mean, you know, we all did pretty well that way, but um, that's empty. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's probably a good word to use because mm. I didn't, couldn't explain to my father what it was that I was feeling, mm. but it was like this empty, like who, who, what's inside here? I am, I never even really thought about it that way until mm. I found my Buddhist practice, Yeah, you know, cause mm. I, di I didn't have words to put to it. Yeah. Yeah. But basically if you look back and say that's, I was just kind of empty shell, mm. you know, mm. you know, the good wife. It took a lot of courage for you to. Now that again, Step because out. I'm a Buddhist, I understand about what courage is. Mm. I didn't, you know, those weren't, that wasn't really in my head, you know, like, oh, I'm going to have courage to say something or do something. Oh. I just, I got to the point where my mother, when she came to visit our house in Beverly Hills, she went, something isn't quite right. You know, like I didn't hang things that normal, you know, I didn't make the house like, oh, you know, she you weren't was, were making it your own. Yeah. Like yeah. she said, something isn't right. Mm. And I said, and I told her, I said, you know, mom, I'm really not that happy anymore being married, mm. you know? And it wasn't my, it wasn't, he was a bad person. He's mm. still a good person. He mm. was as nice as could be. And, mm. you know, but there was something and I couldn't put words to it. And my father got angry, you know, what mm. do you mean? You're not happy. What's happy? You know what, yeah. you know, so <laughs> like dad, I just don't feel happy, you know, but that word happy to him mm. was so, strange word <laughs> yeah look what you have you're in beverly hills you have all this stuff yeah so that was you know uh, uh that was harder than going into the office of michael and saying you know michael i've to come to this decision that i gotta leave and i don't mm. want anything you know i don't want any of the stocks or the palace of wow yeah you know i just want to get i want out and so i um i moved to brentwood in an apartment with a roommate Mm. and um made my way i got wow. a job yeah i had a job at the bank 
And what uh, made you not want to have anything to give yourself? A start I, I, of? I don't know. You know, I just wanted to start fresh. I, I didn't, you know, material things didn't mean, you know, it, was, uh, it wasn't about the material things at I all to you. me. It was just, I want a fresh lawn. I go, I leave and, um, I, I it wasn't a taker, you know, like, oh, I want mm. this, or I want that. And he was always there for me, you know, like when we had the 1974, was it the earthquake? Mm. First earthquake I'd ever been in. He knew I would have probably been freaking out. So he called and came right over, mm. you know, so we stayed that kind of connection. We never, like, I didn't break him off and say, I'll never talk mm. to you again, you know, so. Yeah. And then my fortune, of course, the most important thing that happened was that he met Tina and they, uh, had one date, I think, you know, date having coffee or something. And she told him about Namio Rengekil. And uh, he went to a meeting and then he called me and he said, Claire, you got to come with me to a Buddhist meeting. I became a Buddhist. And I went, oh no, he's really gone off his crap. I, mean, oh <laughs> I just like, oh my gosh. Oh no, no. I'm picturing the Hare Krishna. His head and wear a, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm picturing, you know, robes and, and I said, what, what, you know, here's this, well-educated, you know, guy. I mean, he came up with the first, you know, contact lenses. Um, he and his friend from oh, Chicago. the hard contact. Hard, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He his invented friend, those. His friend from Chicago University, and he got together and they came up, manufactured those wow. very beginning glass ones. You know. Yeah. So he, he, you know, he, he was a um, very smart, educated guy, but. That doesn't mean you, even though in as a young puppy, you know, 16, 17, 18, you know, he was in love, but what is love at that time, you know? Mm. So I felt, but then he became a Buddhist and it was like, whoa, now he's <laughs> really gone, gone off his rocker. He said, no, I'm coming to pick you up on Friday night and you're going to come with me to a meeting. I said, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, don't bother. I'm not going. So don't come. But he knocked on the door. And he had his wife today, his girlfriend at that time with him, mm. Japanese girl. Mm. And uh, she had this big smile. And because of her smile, I couldn't say no, you know, like, <laughs> I, really, I don't, I don't want to go. I mean, yeah. I really had no clue what I was getting myself into. I was scared. Mm. I really was scared. Mm. Um, but anyway, the minute I sat down with everybody that they do at the meetings, you know, they started out with chanting this word, Nam Horenge Kyo, right? Yeah. And they had me saying it. And from that night on, I mean, literally something really deep changed. Mm. Uh, like having what do you, a purpose. How can, you, can you describe what that deep? Yeah. Um, um, first of all, I felt something from the chanting. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't, I couldn't put a word to, you know, like what was I feeling something, right? I was mm. like feeling something really beautiful. And, um, and then after the meeting, my fortune, I guess, to have talked to this particular woman is mm. what I think, you know, um, she was trying to explain to me, and I, you're probably better at this than mm. I am, about the, the concept of the pear, the, the dance peach, and dance peach, and, mm -hmm. you know, that, that concept. Yes. That we're not, cause she, I guess she can tell from me that I was worried about the cults mm. and people you know, coming together and yeah, all thinking yeah. the same way and stuff like that. So yeah. maybe she picked that up also from me, mm -hmm. right? So, because I was worried about that. You know, we, we had the Harry Krishnas, you know, and stuff around that were kind of not comfortable for me, but, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't know if this was some similar. So she, so she gave me that phrase, what peach, 
pair, Samson, you know, and she was yeah. saying that this philosophy of Namya Renge Kyo, Nichiren Daishonin's Buddhism was about each individual at bringing out their own uniqueness. Right. And so then she went like this. So Claire will bring out the best in Claire. And when she said that, I looked at myself. I mean, I looked at her, but I looked, who's Claire? Mm-hmm. Claire, who? Claire, like <laughs> I had never. Who is Claire? Who is Claire, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that was like a whole I see. Yeah. huge opening to, she said, you, you know, so we, we don't, we want to make sure you don't think that we're all going to become the same way. We're going to eat, eat and drink and think the same way. Mm-hmm. This, this organization is about each individual developing from in their own life, this incredible state of life, what mm-hmm. they call Buddhahood, you know, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant, but this, your highest life state mm-hmm. will start to develop and the real true Claire will come and blossom. Mm-hmm. It blew, that just, wow. Yeah. That blew me away. My phrase when I went to my first meeting was, you can transform all your suffering into joy. See, if someone said. That was like, I would be, I was like, no one has ever, because I was raised, you know, Roman Catholic. I see. And and to me, it was, you know, I was broken. I was a sinner. um, That if anything happened to me it would be that it was my fault. So oh, how could I transform suffering into joy? That's oh. See, if they use those words, I would not, I would yeah. not have yeah, taken to it because suffering, I never thought of myself as suffering. Mm. You know what I mean? I was suffering that. See, yeah. yeah. So I, I made my life, I was doing, I was doing, I didn't think of myself as suffering, mm. but see how interesting that is, yes. right? And for me yeah. that night, she would pinpoint and when she right. went like this, the Claire, and she went yeah. like that with her hand, Claire yeah. will become the most beautiful Claire. Wow. And like Claire, <laughs> just hearing that, that, yeah, yeah. that she's looking at me as a human being, mm. different than anybody else kind mm, of, you know, mm-hmm. talk to me. Yeah. And I had that word Claire, of course, I've heard it all my life. Yeah. But it meant something so different to yes. me that night. Yeah. I was so excited. I was good to discover uh, me, mm. right? Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, people who know me probably think, what, she, what, what is she talking about? But I left there going, I need this. And I'm, I, I received my Gohansen two days, you know, like that was a Friday night. Gohansen is the Gohansen. mandala that we chant to. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. They just said, if you want to join, we'll get you one of these ones and you know i said I- i'm in <laughs> i'm in i was pretty much like that too yeah yeah i just had to just whatever yeah. this was that night that i was feeling I at least I, e- yeah. explore so i did i uh phil gould whose house it was that we were in he said i'll drive you sunday and we're gonna mm-hmm. go and get you go and which we did mm-hmm. um but when i went to work on monday i was working at a bank um up on Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills there. And they went, did you get married again? I said, what? Did you get married over the weekend? I said, no, why do you say that? They said, look at you, you look so different, so happy. So they couldn't even put the words in my mouth. I said, Mm. no, I didn't get married. I said, I went to a Buddhist meeting. (laughs) They said, oh, we want to go. We want to go wherever that is. We want to go. And I had these people from the bank come with me to the meetings right away because they just were like 
wow, you're just shining. I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't see that, you know, from out, I couldn't see that, but they were seeing yeah. something from inside. So I just started, I just started yeah. chanting this Nami Rinke And me, I, I had my big modern altar. Nobody mm. had seen anything like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I built this huge modern thing. Yeah. Nothing like a Japanese, you know, like yeah. a Japanese thing. So I just uh, started having meetings at my house in Beverly Hills. Mm. It wasn't out. I had an apartment. And I just, it's just been the yeah. most wonderful. And so then you wonderful. met your second husband. Well, he was in the one of my groups, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, nineteen seventy. We must have met nineteen seventy six because that's when we were married, right? Yeah. So we got. Um, we went to visit a men's division, so he wanted me to go with him. You know, um, uh, somebody who was struggling in the district that we mm. that he belonged to. I was the chapter leader. He was a district leader. Mm. So whatever you were that starting means. Starting to. Were you someone who would help others before that, before you started practicing Buddhism or? Not in the I, same way. I mean, mm -hmm. helping, you know, my mother was into, as I said, like UNICEF and mm -hmm. PTA and that kind of giving. Yes. But mm -hmm. I didn't follow, I didn't follow in that footstep. I worked, I had friends, I was nice, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I didn't really have anything that I partaked in, in mm -hmm. any way. Right. But with him, uh, he just asked me out, um, you know, to, to to go to this person's house to enshrine their Gohansen. Mm. Then on the way home, he said, "Why don't we stop and have coffee?" You know, and so we did, and we started talking, and so that's when we started dating um, a little bit, and then we married out, married. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, we lived in West Hollywood at the time, but was one of the big benefits, and I don't know if I should share this, but it was really interesting because nam myoho kyo is really to expand your life, you mm. know, kind of thing. But we chant for things, you know, mm. like in order to get me to sit down and chant every morning and every night, you want to have goals, you want to mm -hmm. have things you want to see accomplished. You know, it can happen overnight, but, mm. you know, we sit with goals, mm -hmm. right? So this second husband of mine had no money basically. Mm. My mother didn't know how I was going to become happy. Mm. You know, like, yeah, she said, well, Claire, I don't what know. What about your dad? My dad hadn't met him, uh. but, you know, and of course we didn't have what we have now, the communication. So he was yeah. in New York. My mother came out and she was yeah. kind of concerned, you know, because he was poor mm. and, you know, I'm used to things and, yeah. you know, she didn't know, you know, but um, so he, we had to find an apartment before the wedding. We had like maybe two weeks, three weeks before we were going to get married to start looking for an apartment. And he set a goal of uh, $300 a month mm. to find an apartment for $300 a month. <laughs> <laughs> so it, wow. this is 1976. I guess. <laughs> so I said to him, $300, what are you going to find for $300? So one, we only needed one bedroom, right? So we looked and looked and looked and looked. And I mean, it wasn't happening. So... No, but he was determined, you know, he chanted much longer than me. He joined in 1967 and he already yeah. knew the power of this practice. Uh, so he goes, no, $300 is our budget and that's what we're doing. Wow. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so looking in Santa Monica, looking in West LA, looking all over, we're driving down Sunset Boulevard and he took a street off the thing and there was a, a for rent sign and it was a really beautiful building with a drive and everything and yeah. it was a sign, one bedroom. 
So I said, Ray, I said, let's go in. He goes, no way. And I go, let's just go look. So it was about five o'clock, rang the bell, the big manager. She goes, oh, we're just closing the office. Can you come back tomorrow? I said, no, we don't live, live around here. So can you see us now? And she said, oh, okay, come in. I'll ring you in. And the most beautiful apartment, unbelievable, gorgeous, big, $290. (laughs) Wow. I'm not joking. Wow. Wow. It was a big living room with a fireplace, a big wall for meeting, you know, for the Gohansen meetings and big, huge master bedroom, which came in handy because we had a baby later on and we were able to put a, a basket, you know, and yeah. get her going there. Then the big benefit came when she was six months old. We get a letter that the place is going to become a condo, that the whole building is being put, uh. turned into a condo, and that we could get a special price for it. But we, he didn't, as I said, he didn't really have money. So mm. we had a really chance how are we going to do this? You know, mm. how are we going to buy this place? And we managed to do it. Wow. And um, we bought it. It was our first. Purchase. Purchase. And, yeah. yeah. Wow. And then because real estate in the it was going up, 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 it became way worth way more than than what we bought it for. Uh-huh. So we were able to take a loan out, hmm. rent the condo, and buy a house for Kimberly in the valley. Because he hmm. didn't want this baby that it was just to be in the city, you know, growing up uh-huh. in the city. Hmm. He wanted more country, country or suburban. Hmm. So that's what we did. We rented the place out and went and bought our first house. Wow. And we had meetings there. And to this day, like Brian Lee, uh, he'll always, you know, I remember so well those meetings we had at your mm, home, you know. Wow. Kimberly, you know, growing up. Yeah. Being in all the so meetings. So Kimberly is your daughter. Yes, my Kimberly. And she yeah, was like, She was born, born in 79. It, that was just when we were having this turnover. Yeah. She was in my stomach when we got the letter about uh, buying the condo. Uh, yeah. And so, so tell us about um, Kimberly. Yeah, tell us about we have. Oh, good. So we have thirty more minutes. Oh well. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Because this that's is... really. I mean, your story about you and your daughter is to me. Well, I lost a baby in between. Okay. Before I had Kimberly, I was pregnant nine months and um, nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant. Wow. Yeah. And I went to the hospital thinking I was in labor. You know, I said to Ray, "Oh." We better get going because I'm having my pain, my labor. So he, we got in the car. We went over to St. John's and told them at the desk, and they get somebody over and they examined me and they said, "No, you got to go home. You're not anywhere near dilated." I said, "Dilated? I don't know what you're talking about, but uh-huh. I'm having labor pains." And she's insisting, "No, mm. you know." And I said, "No, I'm not Ray. I can't go anywhere. I'm in pain, and I'm not going anywhere." So he said. Can we get a doctor, you know, to come over? So the doctor came over and ordered a baby monitor, and they put the baby monitor up, and he can immediately said, oh, 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 we got a big problem here. Baby's heart is going, 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 going. Oh. So apparently the the pain I was having, which I wouldn't know was la- what's labor pain versus any yeah, other pain, yeah. um, was the placenta was erupting. Why or how? I have no clue. Yeah, they never know how why that happened. And I was just chanting Nam Yurenge Kyo. I mean, and but I was so fortunate, Susan. And I know people listening may not understand this, but one of our friends, Maritza, mm. her son was very sick, mm. 
uh, he had asthma and he was always in danger. He could sometimes couldn't breathe and she mm. was so frightened. So because I was home, you know, from being pregnant and I didn't work or something, she would come over and we would chant, I'm chanting Nam Yorenge Kel, uh, a lot for mm. him. Mm. So he hates when I see him today because I always say to him, because of you, mm. I was able to really, my life state of when I was in the hospital losing my baby, the, the chanting that I did mm. ahead of time, mm. so much Daimoku. I mm. really, I have to put those two together because I fell into the world of hell. As mm. you know, there's such a state of war, mm. of hell. People talk about what's hell. Yeah, you know, it's a but, state of life. Yeah. yeah, and I could just feel my elevator. You know, the minute mm. they told me my baby's probably not going to make it, you know, and they're rushing me off to the operating room to have a C-section. C-section. Um, or no, they wanted me to have natural birth. Oh. Yeah. So they're rushing me off and I'm chanting, 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 and I'm thinking about the Go Show, you know. Which is letters crucial that our teacher wrote. Yeah, from 700 years ago yeah. that we used to always say the same the same over and over and over, you know, the same quote. quote. We didn't have that many quotes in those days. Mm -hmm. And um, and, I, and I remember that the crucial moment, the foolish, right? I said, no. I'm the wise will rejoice, rejoice and the, the foolish, foolish will retreat. Retreat, yeah. So no, Claire, you're not going to retreat, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just inside, you know, just mm -hmm. battled and, you know. And then they told me that the baby would not make it, but that I still had to give natural births a natural birth. But by then, I'm telling you, the state of life that I was in was so strong that mm. I was able to accept it. Mm. And I realized, you know, I don't have control over this baby's mission. Mm. You know, we all have a special mission mm. in Buddhism. That's really important, right? Mm. And he had a different mission. I really felt that, that this There's baby... A boy. I was a boy. Yeah. Beautiful. When they, mm. I finally had to push and go through natural mm. childbirth. Right. Um, and when he came out, he was so beautiful. His skin was beautiful. He had red hair and I held him enchanted and he was just beautiful. And then the members who were coming to see me, my friends who were coming to see me were so worried. You know, they were like, Oh my gosh, what She'll are we going to say? She'll be devastated. What are we going to say? And you can talk to those old members mm. now and ask them, they were like shocked when they came and I was encouraging them, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and I don't know why, you know, it's I guess from our study of Nietzschean Buddhism, you know, I really got the study and I got mm. understand that our life, you know, we don't have control basically. Mm. And that everything happens, you know, for a good reason, you know, mm. like I couldn't see at that moment why or what. Mm. Um, but I didn't. I didn't let myself stay in that state of hell because mm. during the, the, the drive, not the drive, but the, from the time she, this woman was telling me that, you know, I should go home, you know, then I kept falling deeper into the world of hell, you know, mm. and then when the doctor mentioned that the baby's heart was getting diminished, diminished by the minute, you know, of course I was falling into the state of hell, mm. but I got that go show quote and I determined, you know, that, Claire, you do not know the mission of this mm. baby. And I just, I didn't, I can't say I felt joy. No. But it was a state where I wasn't staying in this devastated mm. state. And then when I held the baby and, you know, everything was beautiful, um, I really feel that was that. And then I got pregnant. I went to Japan 
mm. afterwards to see mm. the President Kaga and mm. make my report. And um, Wendy Clark was with me. And uh, her father had passed away. Uh, so we went to a memorial, even while we were there for other things. And when we left, she said, you know, Claire, when I was chanting at the memorial, I was chanting that my father be born an American because he never came to America to mm. visit. Mm. And it was something he really wanted. Mm. And then when I found that I was pregnant, I called her. I said, I'm pregnant again. Your dad's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter was born. And, you know, it's funny because she, when she was, I forget how old, she leaned over to me one day and she gave me a hug. She says, you know, Mom, if your baby boy would have lived, I wouldn't be here today. Wow. And I looked at her. I went, wow, that is deep. Mm. Because she knows, mm. you know, even if I got pregnant a minute, a half a minute, even a day later, mm. you know, you know what I mean? It wouldn't yeah. be her. Yeah. I mean, it was like mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. That's who she is today. And yeah. she's so appreciative. She's the most yeah. appreciative person I have ever met. Mm. She never hangs up a phone without, thank you so much, mom. I appreciate you, mom. Mm. You're such a great mom. You know, she just has so much appreciation. Yeah. So, so share yeah. with us what happened with Kimberly when she was oh, 20. Yeah. So that was my first devastation, you know, yeah. which could have left me in the state of hell yeah. for a long time. That's number one, right? Because most people who in that category of people mm -hmm. losing babies, you know, oh, whether, yeah. you know, full term, not term, you know, whatever. Yeah, I have illness. shared on here that my baby brother, uh, Ricky, at 14 months old, died of hydrocephalus um, mm. complications. And my mother started drinking heavily oh. after that. Yeah. And never, you know, I mean, she she lived until 84. Is it 84 or 87? Um but that, it devastated yeah, her with that yeah. blaming yourself and right yeah she and really i really feel so fortunate in that mm -hmm. sense that i didn't put that blame on me i knew because yeah. i knew i really i didn't have a part in what was going on right you know what i mean i didn't fall down steps i didn't yeah you know bang myself i didn't you know there was nothing it was just nature mm -hmm. the way life goes not that i was happy or i you know yeah. i'm not trying to paint that picture but my state of life never went to the point it went into hell, mm. but then it came back up in real, realization and mm. understanding. And this is life. And, you know, um, so that didn't hold me back. Right. And then I got pregnant again pretty quickly. And then Kim was born in 1979. Mm. And she just has just been an, an angel. I mm. mean, you know, there's no other word. Mm. So. The only thing is that when she turned around 20, just going to be 20, 21 at the time, her behavior uh, just became so different, very different. And we thought, oh, you're She was a ballerina and she was. Oh, yeah. yeah. She went to New York City. She had a scholarship. She went to New York City and was living in New York City and she loved it. And um, yeah, everything that way was, you mm. know, she was living a good life. I mean, very good life. She had mm. a good schooling. She the best you know, um, went off to live in New York, loved it, you know, but this bizarre behavior started coming and mm. we had no clue what it was. So she, she left New York, came back to live with us. And I mean, just, I, I didn't even have words for what was going on, you know, just 
I would have never gone with a brain illness. You know what I mean? Like who mm-hmm. know, you know, mother doesn't, you know, I, I've never been around somebody who has any kind of an illness with the brain. Right. So mm-hmm. we thought for sure drugs, you know, maybe drinking, you know, what, what was she doing? You know, she, she was holding on to a job at a famous French restaurant and everything, but, um, she finally got fired and that made it even worse. And, um, so then we finally took her to a doctor and it turned out that she had schizophrenia mm. and, um, but she's such an angel cause she, even though she was at that time before she got the medicine, you know, she was like the worst. It was the worst, mm. you know, not knowing where she is going out at night with guys coming home. So I had to make very strict rules and anybody out there, if mm. you have any, I, this is my thing for parents, and I really mm. have helped many, many parents since this, that you have to really be tough love. So I had to make a contract with her. And I said, Kimberly, if, but because this, at this time, I wasn't married anymore. I divorced her father. Mm. Um, he went off to do his thing, which was great, and I was happy doing my thing. And I told her, I said, if you're going to live with me, you have to follow these rules. And she'll even tell you to today, mom Mm. was tough on me. You know, you can't come in my house having been drunk. You know, you can't come in my house with any drugs on you or had been on drugs. And you can't bring any strange guys in my house. If you can keep to that, then you can live with me. Because it was too scary. Mm. It was so scary. So... And there was was a time where you couldn't find her or something. Oh, that oh yeah. Mm. Oh, then she took off. Yeah, mm. I mean that. Yeah, that was she took off and went back to New York. We didn't know she went back to New York. She mm. just didn't come home. Mm. And uh, in those days, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have ways to track. I had no way to know where she, where she was. Um, so it was so frightening, just frightening. You know. Did you call the police or? Um, no, not not that time. Mm. I don't know if me, I think we might have known she went on a plane mm. and she went to New York. She went mm. back to New York now that you bring that up. Yeah. Mm. So she went back to, cause she, she knew New York and she liked mm. New York. So she went back to New York she, like four in the morning. She went to the airport and got on a plane mm. and went there, you know, mm. so her mind, they mm. don't, you know, really think logically. Mm-hmm. And she it wasn't like uh, nowadays, you know, she didn't have credit cards with her. She had an ATM card. Mm. Um, and she stayed there for about four or five days. And I would just be chanting, Nam Yuringenkyo. And I just, I would chant every day to reach her heart. You know, feel mm. my heart, Kimberly. Chant to your heart. You know, I was just chanting for her to feel me, you know, to feel me. And, you know, and uh, so I was out and Ray calls me up and says, Kim's home, come home. Mm. So, because um, my husband and I were very close, you mm. know, so it was like for him to be in my house or anything was mm. not unusual. So he come come home. So I came home, and the first thing she did was she was on the couch. She comes around, gives me a hug, and says, "Mom, you saved my life." Mm. And I said, "What are you talking about? I saved your life. I would have never made it back home from New York." I said, "New York." She says, "Yeah, I went to New York, and I I felt you." I felt mm. you tugging on me. I felt your heart. I, mm. I never could have made it. She said the voices in my head. I was just. She didn't know. We didn't know it was schizophrenia. You know, she mm. didn't know. You know, we what what schizophrenia is or anything. 
So from then on, you know, really we've been so close and she's mm-hmm. taken her medicine and really done what she needs to. But then of course, you know, she had a boyfriend and he looked like he was a good guy. He dressed well. And um, one day where she was living, they called me and said that they took her to the hospital because he gave her a methamphetamine. Mm. Oh my gosh. I thought she was going with that, but he, he, I don't, she was having stomach problems apparently. Mm. And he said, I know what's going to help you. And he gave her this pill and it was a methamphetamine. 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 I don't. I don't, I don't know much about that. Methamphetamine. Meth- yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that lands her in a hospital for six months, mm. and you know, but her heart is so amazing. She chants every day, and um, she got out of the hospital. Uh, somebody received Gohansen from the not mm. from the being in the hospital, but somebody who came visiting his friend in the hospital mm. was so sh- admired by her her giveness, you know, like mm. how much she would give, like she'd come in the lunchroom. He says, every time she would come in the lunchroom, she'd say, Oh, would you like some of this? Would you mm. like some of that? He said to me one day, you know, I don't understand, you know, your daughter's just so kind. Mm. And I said, well, you know, we're Buddhists and she mm. chants every day. <gasps> really? He said, I'd mm. like to find out about that. Mm. So he came to the mm. center and he received goings on. And, mm. and she just is such a wonderful she is. Uh, yeah. heart, you know, her heart cares. Mm. I know that you, um, what's something that really strikes me, um, some of the things you've told me, one was um, that she's very aware of the negative voices and that she'll warn you not to come. Yes. Because she's afraid she'll hurt you. Right. Which I think is just extraordinary. I wouldn't imagine. She'll even step away from me sometime if I'm there, if a voice is telling her, you know, that they may hurt she may she says oh mom mom you know maybe you should leave and then the man from where she lives will come and say no you stay here and i'll be around so you know and then he calms her down Mm -hmm. so she's very aware of her you know but she what what she's doing like even right now is really helping others Mm. you know she gets her own world tribune Mm. she makes her own contribution she shares her magazine you know with Mm. the girls her roommate Mm. she's you know she just she feels like buddhism isn't just about her doing the chanting mom it's about jigyo keita i go kimberly we don't just practice for oneself oneself practice for others but as a young girl growing up she understood she understood right and she said that's the practice Mm. so if i'm not helping somebody else and i'm not really doing the practice correctly and i go Mm, wow you're just she has such a great understanding so i never worry about her because she's never giving me the idea of being unhappy during i never Mm -hmm. picked that up from her you know like oh mom i'm so unhappy with my Mm -hmm. life or oh Mm -hmm. you know yeah um so what more can a mother want? I mean, right? You could have all you want in the world and mm. have everything you have, but be unhappy. Yeah. But she never gives me that impression that she's unhappy, mm. you know, or mm. she hates her life or why isn't it any better? She doesn't ask mm. those questions. Mm. She's just living in the moment and helping people. Mm. And she knows that's, in a sense, what we call her mission. You know, like that's what she's doing. Mm. So she's showing other people with mental illness, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. when we helped so many young people at that yes. time in Santa Monica. Yeah. Talk about that. Um, we have about five minutes oh. left. And yeah, that it was you, a special I mean, thing. I think, you know, because one of the reasons I wanted to do this 
podcast is to encourage people that you can change poison into medicine, uh, that you yeah. can transform, you know, your any, suffering. any, yeah, any kind and of, you were able to problem. do Daniel's, what was it called? Yeah, there was a place. Well, first we found a place for, um, support group. Um, it was called the Daniel's place and they had what they called, um, the Daniel's place was named Daniel's place because a father living in, um, Brentwood somewhere, um, his son had committed suicide, taken mm. his own life, you know, mm. at the age of 30 because he was mentally ill and couldn't mm. take it anymore. Mm. So the father really felt he wanted to give back and he decided to open this place in Santa Monica called the Daniels place after his son and 18 year olds to 30 would come every mm. day in and out, you know, they had art, a, an art room, a TV room, a music room, a lobby, to the people to just hang out, um, counselors, peer groups, you know, mm. different programs that they had at this one place, all in this one place, only for 18 to 30. Mm. And then at night, uh, twice a month, they had for parents. So parents would come if their children had, Ill, you know, some kind of mental illness, and we would sit in just like an AA meeting kind of thing, you know, you'd sit mm -hmm. around and you know, what is your son doing? Or, you know, give methods and, you know, mm. talk about our own kids. So it was so helpful to be mm. with people who understood what we were going through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then um, one night I mentioned to the group while we were sitting there that I, that I'm a Buddhist and I really feel that this Nam Myoho Renge Kyo really has helped my life advance as well as Kim's, mm. you know, and the next day I get a phone call from the person who's running this place. Oh my, what you talked about last night about that chanting, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, I, we really want you to come here if you can twice a week and give a class to these youth mm. to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Wow. I live in Toluca Lake. I got to yeah. come to Santa Monica. <laughs> Wow, uh, but of course we'll do it. And then Kim said, Mom, I want to go with you. So wow. twice a week, mm. we would go down to Santa Monica. And I didn't know how was I going to teach these kids about Nam Renge Kyo. I mean, you know, we. so I just made my made it my best, you know, circle like the Indians mm. have a powwow. Yeah. And then I started having them chant. And there was no Gohansons, but, you know, just don't look at me when you're chanting. Just look at the wall, you know, and chant. And before you know it, I mean, people were receiving, coming to meetings, you know, and parents were going, well, wait a minute, if you're having meetings for them during the day, why can't you have a meeting for us? So mm. then I made another meeting at for night the parents. for the parents. Wow. Yeah. So um, amazing. And they started coming and going to getting Gohansan and uh, changing. And this one woman who had two girls, and I gave this experience the other night about creating mm. value because, mm. um, I didn't want to really tell her about it because she had been going to the Jewish temple for so long. Mm -hmm. I thought she probably would never really listen to me, but she came in one night cause she had two girls, both with mental illness. Mm, wow. Yeah. And they both tried to take their life. And mm. at that point when she came in to tell us about how the, the fumes from the car, they found them, you know, in the car, I said, okay, Claire, forget that barrier. You got to go and tell mm. her about this Nam Yuringa kill. And the funny thing is when I gave her the card with the Nam Yuringa kill, she goes, oh, someone told me about that in the 60s. Wow. Oh, she said, I'll come with you to a meeting. Mm. And everything about her life's changed. Mm. Her, both girls went back to UCLA, but not to go to the medical. Like she used to have to go to the hospital. Mm. They went back to classes, graduated from UCLA, became therapists. Um, wow. Yeah, their faces shine. Um, just mm. 
really changed her whole yeah. her whole life. So that's what we call karma intermission. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So Kim really wanted to support that whole thing with me. You know, mm. she's let's go help. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Really amazing. So um I don't know what's next. You know, for me it's like I'm I don't know if I should tell my age, but anyway it's up to you you know but i'm up, i'm way up there <laughs> <laughs> i think you, i i i think i've earned every wrinkle so i'm I not know. afraid of oh yeah no no telling yeah my... no i'm 76 you know in august i'll be 77 but i feel like a teenage still mm. you know what i mean i feel yeah. youthful i yeah. feel like i have a purpose i have a mission mm. every day i wake up with that feeling you know um who am i going to help today you know if not myself you know i'm going to help myself but you know, to really um, give, mm. give, 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 give. My mom, yeah. I think it, a lot of it comes also from her. You know, yeah. she was a giving person that way. Yeah, I had that yeah. with my mom too. Yeah. Although so. I called it, I love you, you bitch. Oh. <laughs> I never knew because of the drinking. Oh, you know? right. It was, oh. I never knew whether she was, yeah, I was loved or that I was a bitch. Oh. And, uh, but, you know, um, I've, I've talked about it on the, on the podcast that I did a solo show and, um, I, I really do the character of my mom. Yeah. I nail it. And, uh, she did get to see it before yeah, uh, she your passed away. Yeah. And, uh, she said, well, you kind of, you know, painted me out to be a cackling witch. <laughs> and then I kind of went, mm. and she was like, guess <laughs> I was back then, I guess. <laughs> But, yeah. um, well, thank you, Claire. Uh, this was amazing. I think you're such an example of, you know, transforming, you know, what could be the worst possible circumstances into, you know, service for yeah, others. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. being able to help I have others. no regrets about anything. You know, when you use the word suffering, you know, it doesn't last with Buddhism, you know, the yeah. suffering gets turned, changed, you know, it's, right. it, Yes, yeah. becomes it becomes the fire, right? The fire towards you know really without the obstacles and without the darkness, it's hard. You know, it would be like yeah. it, it's the charge to go forward with your life Absolutely. if you use it this way. You know, that's right. Or you can sink and let yourself stay exactly. there. Exactly. Right. Right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Oh, thank Tune you. in next time. Um, I have <laughs> a couple of more um, episodes before we launch. One wow. is going to be my friend, uh, Kate Hungerford, mm. who overcame cancer, bone, yeah. bone and breast cancer. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see who else I can wrangle in here to share their amazing stories. So thank you very much. See you next time. Oh, great. Thank you for having me. This has been Tell Me Everything with Susan Devante. This podcast was produced by me, Susan, of Out Our Way Productions, with support from consulting producer Maggie Politi, and developed with Ashley Kate Adams of BYOP, Be Your Own Producer, editing by Graham Bryant. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review if you enjoyed our time together today. If you have any stories of overcoming adversity, please use the contact page on my website, susandemonte.com. We would love to hear from you. See you next time.